Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, hey, a win! We look back at a great effort against the Avs, plus Dylan Sandberg stays hot, and a PLD contract update. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it. My apologies, everybody, for no episode on Friday, but me and the wife had a uh, long day and night dealing with uh, our sick little daughter over the weekend. So we've been uh, pretty fortunate. It's it's the first time she's been sick. She's almost a year and a half, so we, we had a good run. But yeah, that was uh, not a fun one, as, as any parent would tell you. I mean, thankfully, the great people at Children's Hospital took good care of her. I watched Coco about a dozen times, and we're already good to go. So we're on the men. We're feeling good, which is great. And and feeling good, you know, by the time the weekend was up. And just in time to watch an absolute stunner Sunday in Winnipeg. I mean, where in the hell did that effort come from? The Winnipeg Jets just took it to quite possibly the best team in the NHL. And considering the debacle debacles in Florida, followed by, you know, a loss in New York... And then the Hayne Eric Comrie out to dry special in Carolina. I think most of us were just hoping that the Jets could make it respectable against the Avalanche. But then they go out there and yeah, they they did. They they dominated for pretty damn well 60 minutes. The best team of the Western Conference. I mean the Jets, and you know, please make sure you're sitting down as I say this. The Jets actually played stifling defensive hockey. Their neutral zone play and how well they controlled that area of the ice, it might have been the best job they've done that in years. I mean, certainly this season, right? And and they actually did a really good job of slowing down quite possibly the fastest team in the NHL. And I would argue that, that that's going to be one of the quieter, quieter nights you'll see from guys like McKinnon and McCarr and Ranton and etc. all season long and, and maybe all playoff long as well. So it was an absolutely out-of-the-blue tremendous effort by the Jets. Now, you know, I do also think that a big part of that is is probably, you know, Colorado's on cruise control right now. They've lost four straight. But, you know, for them, it's more about getting fresh and healthy for the playoffs. That's, I assume, the main focus for the Avalanche right now, seeing as they've had a playoff spot wrapped up since early December. 
And, I mean, on top of that, too, they won the President's Trophy last year, flamed out in round two. I, I just don't think they're all too worried about the last week of the regular season. But but having said that, the Jets did play legitimately well. You know, Colorado might have helped, but the Jets, you know, certainly deserved the lion's share of credit for that performance. And it was just nice, right? Like it, it was a nice break. It was a nice tonic. After watching the past four games in particular. So so that was great at least. It, it doesn't mean anything for this year. But life was fun again. Watching a couple of hours of hockey here in Winnipeg. Now while this year is unfortunately inconsequential. There were a few long term notes that caught my eye in that game. Which we'll get to right now. A couple of those that I want to mention before we uh, you know, take our eye to the offseason. For the first time and what's to be many times upcoming here. But let's start off with the first and most exciting one, because it took me about five minutes of watching the game to send out a tweet, and then that tweet got a fair amount of traction. But at what point are we going to have to talk about Dylan Sandberg as a top four defenseman for the Jets? Is it actually right now? <laughs> like, I mean, at the very least, it's got to be a discussion, right? Because with how, I mean, take aside the Florida game. I mean, maybe just take everybody's Panthers game out of the equation here. But outside of that rough one, he's been so, so damn solid these past couple of weeks. And even going back to his first stint with the Jets before he suffered that injury, Dylan Sandberg hasn't looked out of place at all. And getting an audition beside Neil Pionk and, and playing, you know, the fourth most minutes on the Jets' blue line against Colorado, you know, a team, the ultimate barometer test team. And I thought he passed it with flying colors. I, I thought he was tremendous. And I mean, that first period specifically was basically a smorgasbord as to what you're looking for in a high-end defenseman. <laughs> like, take your pick and, and choose your end of the ice. D Dylan Sandberg delivered it all in the first 20 minutes against Colorado. Uh, you know, may and maybe it was a little bit rough by the by the analytics for him by the end of the night. But, you know, on top of it, he was playing most of his minutes. You know, just looking at the shift chart, most of the minutes with Adam Lowry's line up against Nathan McKinnon's unit. And, and for the most part, you know, just slightly under break even by the shot attempts and everything. I'd, I'd say that's pretty good, especially doing so... With a uh, a less than a less than effective, a less than healthy Neil Pionk right now, but just in that first period alone, I, I mean, maybe the most noteworthy play was a one on one against the Avalanche forward coming in with a ton of speed. I, I can't remember who that was, but you know, coming down, able to maintain a tight gap against him, poke the puck away, don't let the shot go through, and then not only that, but then the immediate transition up the ice into instant offense for the Winnipeg Jets. And that's maybe been one of his strong points so far, Dylan Sandberg, is that, you know, one-on-one, -on, -one on the rush, he's he's a pretty tough guy to beat. He's a pretty tough guy to get past. And it's not like he's just, you know, backing in and just kind of hoping that Connor Hellebuck holds the fort. It's, you know, he's up, up, and, and trying to make a play and, and trying to take away time and space from guys. And he's been really, really successful doing that. So, I mean, you have that aspect of it. There were a few big hits inside the defensive zone, and, and he's a lot more physical than, than Logan Stanley is, despite not being as big as Big Stan. I, I think his physical presence has been noticeable on top of all that. I mean, there were a couple of highlight reel blocks, if a block can be a highlight reel play, right? I mean, there was the one diving one preventing a high danger chance, and he had a few more blocks along the rest of the way. 
And then even offensively, his game is, I think, continuing to blossom, right? Like, I don't think he's just a your stereotypical stay-at-home defenseman just because of how big he is. Like, I think there is... I think there might even be a little more offense to unlock for Dylan Sandberg moving forward. But at the very least, he's comfortable, you know, making plays with the puck. He's got a good shot. And it's not just, you know, get the puck to him at the point and, you know, he's looking to throw it back into the corner or throw it on net. He's actually looking to make a pass, to to make a play and and to, you know, assess his options and and try to create something for the Jets. So I've been borderline blown away by by how well he's played over this last couple week run I I really have been I I thought he you know I I thought at least in this year we we might see Sandberg be an effective third pair defenseman and then maybe next year he tries to take that step but just the fact that this is a conversation that we had to have is just a tremendous testament to how well Sandberg has played since he's gotten a, a regular spot back into the lineup here and I think, you know, th- that would be the natural fit, too. You know, if you're looking to play him higher up in the lineup next year, Neil Pionk's a pretty damn good fit for him, isn't he? Right? Where you don't necessarily have to kneel- lean on Dylan Sandberg to be the the primary puck mover. Although he's capable of doing that, you know, you can trust that Neil Pionk is going to make the right play with the puck. But that Sandberg, because of that, can just focus on playing a simpler, cleaner game. And and kind of bring him along slowly in that way. I think I'd be very intrigued to see what that would look like, say, over a, a 10 to 15 game sample. So where does this leave Dylan Sandberg on the depth chart going into this upcoming offseason? I, I guess that's kind of the main question that we have to ask ourselves now. And and look, even though I've, I've gushed over him in this episode and it feels like the last four or five ones here on the podcast... I don't necessarily want to put it in ink, right? Like, I don't want to write it in pen that Sandberg's the number two defenseman on the left side for the Winnipeg Jets. And and, and that's final, and there, there doesn't need to be any improvement or anything like that. Because I, I still think the Jets need to go a little bit big game hunting when it comes to their back end. And as good as Sandberg's been, you know, I, I don't think the Jets should necessarily take themselves out of the sweepstakes if, if somebody becomes available and they're a left shot defenseman. But... Just looking at the depth chart the way it is right now, Josh Morrissey is the no doubt about it number one guy for the Winnipeg Jets on the left side. But if you're asking me between Brandon Dillon and Dylan Sandberg, I'm giving the young kid the nod over the vet there. And and even if you want to throw Nate Schmidt into the mix, I'd, I'd have Dylan Sandberg ahead of both those guys right now. And And I really don't feel like that's that outlandish of a statement. You know, it's it's been a bit of a down year. Like, it, we just haven't seen the best out of Brendan Dillon. And, and maybe that changes going into next season. But I just think when you combine maybe a, a lackluster showing for Brendan Dillon, and with this surge we've seen from Dylan Sandberg over the last 10 or so games, I think the kid's played himself as it stands right now into a top four spot for the Winnipeg Jets going into next season. And... and I guess ultimately, too, what it comes down to is this. Would I feel super confident that Sandberg is a no-doubt-about-it, say, second-pair defenseman for the Jets next season? I I don't think I'd say I'm super confident. But at the very least, I wouldn't feel terrified about it, right? Like, I, I, I would be maybe cautiously optimistic that he could fulfill that role for next season. Ideally, maybe you'd see him on a third pair with, you know, like, imagine a third pair of, 
of Dylan Sandberg and, and Dylan DeMello, for example, or, or maybe, you know, Nate Schmidt on his offside, right? Like, if, if that's the Jets' third pair next season, they are looking pretty damn good on the blue line, right? So so that's kind of where it is. Like, I, I think absolute worst case, worst case scenario, he's your third pair defenseman next season. Logan Stanley's your seventh defenseman, and somebody's brought in that's, you know, a little bit higher up in pedigree from, you know, both Sandberg and Brandon Dillon. And that's a pretty damn good worst case scenario for Dylan Sandberg, right? Still getting, you know, regular minutes in the NHL. But I think there's a legitimate chance that if you put him beside Neil Pionk for a full training camp, you give him a 10-12 game run at the start of the season, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Winnipeg Jets have, have found themselves a bit of a gem here. So, hey, a bit of a rough season, no doubt about it, but... Maybe not the worst thing in the world if it means that you find out that, you know, a young 22, 23-year-old, four guy can play in the NHL right away, give you 20 minutes a night, and, oh, look, he's only making $850,000 or whatever it is. So, great, great end to the season for Dylan Sandberg, and we'll see if he can uh, finish that off with three more strong games to cap off the year. So, the blue line, at least, we're seeing a bit of optimism and, and, and reason for excitement there. But I thought even up front, in, in kind of a weird way, but I'll, I'll, I'll explain here. Up front, there might be a little bit of cause for excitement as well. And, and that was the play of the, in this game at least, the third line for the Winnipeg Jets. You know, and, and it started on the first shift of the game too, but, but Adam Lowry, Mason Appleton, and Morgan Barron, they acquitted themselves very well against Nathan McKinnon's line. They got the lion's share of the minutes against one of the best players in the NHL. And, you know, by the numbers, they pretty much broke even. But at the very least, they made them work for it. Like, there, it wasn't just, you know what, we'll, we'll put up a wall inside our own zone and, and you're not going to get any pucks through our shin pads. They were taking it to the McKinnon line offensively for a large chunk of that game. And my the, the reason that I was kind of intrigued and excited by that performance isn't that, hey, wow, that could be a great third line for the Winnipeg Jets next season. My thought was more so, could you imagine if that was the Winnipeg Jets' fourth line next year? And and it's not, if you look at who the Jets have right now, you could almost make the case there's no reason not to have that as your fourth line, right? Like, just imagine, and even look at the, the best teams in the NHL right now. You know, if Adam Lowry, Mason Appleton, Morgan Barron is this team's fourth line next season, at the very least, at the very least, the Winnipeg Jets have a top five fourth line in the NHL. And and I, I think that's stretching it. I, I, you would have to convince me there's a better fourth line in the league than Adam Lowry, Mason Appleton, and Morgan Barron. That's, that's what the Winnipeg Jets could potentially have in the fold for next year. And, and the reason it's not that outlandish as well is that if you look at the way the Jets forward core is situated, you know, you're you're not necessarily doing the old, you know, Maurice Lowry top six, bottom six thing. But if you had Adam Lowry, Mason Appleton, Morgan Barrett as your team's fourth line, your top three lines would look something like this. Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and someone. <laughs> we'll, we'll say Shifley for now, but Mark Shifley, Nikolai Ehlers, and someone. Then a third line of Paul Stasny, Blake Wheeler, and someone. So that's essentially three someones the Winnipeg Jets have to figure out 
to make this a super well-balanced, loaded, stocked forward group. And you know that one of those three someones is going to be filled by Cole Perfetti next season. I would make the case that Evgeny Svechnikov has shown that he can fill one of those complimentary someone roles. That only leaves one more spot open. And, and maybe it's a Jansen Harkins. You know, maybe David Gustafson pops out to the wing. Maybe somebody else in training camp. Maybe the Jets bring in a, a free agent or, or a trade or whatever it is. But you can kind of get my point, right? That the pieces are there for the Winnipeg Jets to make this happen next year. And just because Adam Lowry's line there would be given the fourth line designation, you know, doesn't mean they're playing five, six, seven minutes. Like we've seen fourth lines in the past play. There's no reason you can't give that line 12, 13 minutes a night. And it's just, you know what, a, a much more even split the rest of the way forward. Maybe the top line for the Jets gets 19. And then maybe the second line gets 18 and the third line gets, you know, 15. Whatever it is, you're getting a much more balanced, well-rested lineup that is difficult to defend if you're an opposing team. And that was my main takeaway. Sure, like, hey, Lowry and Appleton and Barron were great as a third line in that game. But just imagine how dangerous this Jets team could be if that was a fourth line next season. And I think it's doable as well. So, hey. Ugly season, but at least a bit of a, a couple of bright spots. One up front, one on the back end for the Jets as the regular season begins to wind down here. Now, I want to switch over quickly before we wrap up the episode to a bit of off-season news that Elliot Freeman brought to our attention over the weekend. And we'll get to that in just a sec. But before we do that, we do have to give a quick shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings. Because the official sports betting partner of the NHL... That's a massive deal for everybody right now. New customers can bet just a single buck on any team to win, and you get $150 in free bets if they do. You could have made $150 in free bets if you bet on either the Panthers or the Lightning to beat the shorthanded Jets this past weekend. See, it's really that easy to make money. And a reminder, too, a sportsbook is not available in your state or province just yet. New customers, any customers can make big-time bucks playing for free for thousands of dollars with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right, so one off-season note to take a look at before we wrap up the episode here. And that came from Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman over the weekend. A bit of a big one, maybe a, more so a scary one than a big one, just in terms of how it was framed. But obviously, you know, outside of a potential trade and, and shaking up the core and everything like that, the biggest piece of offseason to do, and, and really the biggest question is going to be for the Winnipeg Jets, what happens with upcoming RFA Pierre-Luc Dubois? One of the few bright spots for the Winnipeg Jets this season is going to head to the negotiating table for the first time as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. And according to Elliot Friedman, there might be a little bit of a reason to worry. And I'll just read the quote here, and, and you guys can make of it what you will. 
But Freeman indicated that, or, or speculated, I, I guess is the better word, that Dubois' name could be quote-unquote out there in this summer's trade market if the two sides fail to agree to a long-term extension. So potentially, just, you know, a season and a half after being acquired for Patrick Laine, Pierre-Luc Dubois' name could be right back out there in the trade market, and his stay in Winnipeg could be a short one, depending on how acrimonious these negotiations go. So you can make of that what you will, but here's my take. I kind of think it's a bunch of crap. <laughs> I really do. I don't know. I don't know if that's PLD's agent throwing it out there and, you know, letting Friedman what run with it and, and, and see see if they can put a little bit of added pressure on, on Chevy and his camp. But I, I just don't really make anything of it to be honest. I, I I would be I would put it at just because there's a chance for anything. I would put it at 0.5% that PLD gets traded by the Winnipeg Jets this offseason. I, I just don't see it. And to be honest, too, and we'll we'll take a deep dive into this once the season officially ends. And, and, you know, there's not a whole lot else to talk about. But if the Jets and Dubois don't come to terms on a long-term extension, I don't think that's anything to worry for either side. And if anything, that's exactly what I would want to do if I'm Pierre-Luc Dubois right now. Right? Like, he's, he's a 23-year-old. That's two years away from hitting unrestricted free agency and cashing in and not only cashing in, but finding a way to do so with his pick of the litter. There is, unless you're going to completely back the Brinks truck up, there is almost no way that if I'm Pierre-Luc Dubois, I'm signing a six or a seven or an eight year deal, right? Like I, I just, I don't see it from him. If anything, I'm, I'm signing a one, a two or a three year deal. Like, right, like take take me to free agency. I'll, I'll you know my qualifying offers six million dollars. I'll play for six, six and a half, seven, whatever it is. I'll do that for a couple of seasons, and then I have all the negotiating power in the world. I think Dubois and his agent know that they're kind of in the driver's seat right now, and, and they're going to take advantage of that. And and on top of it too, you know, looking at this from Dubois' perspective as well. You know, even if it's a short-term deal, long-term, whatever it is, even if he signs a one, two, or a three-year deal, or if that's kind of where things are going, I don't think he's necessarily going to want to head to the trade market or anything like that because there's a decent chance he's playing all 82 games next season and maybe the year after that with Kyle Connor, who's one of the top scorers in the NHL, right? Like, why, why would he want to leave that situation? So... I, I, I really don't think there's a whole lot to worry about here for, for either side. And, and even if you're the Winnipeg Jets and Dubois camp comes up to you and says, look, we're signing, we're signing for two years, we're signing for three years, or if you want to go eight by nine, for example, I'll just throw that number out there. Those are kind of our options. You can pick and choose which one you want to go and which route you want to take, but we're going to give you one of those three and that's it. I really don't think that's the worst thing in the world if you're the Winnipeg Jets. Because, hey, look, if you sign him for, for eight years and you think he's going to be a point-of-game player and a force physically and defensively, then, I, hey, no one has a problem giving him eight or nine million dollars over the long term. But even if it is, say, a two- or a three-year deal, yes, there's the risk of potentially walking a young center like that into free agency. Like, yes, that is a major concern. But... You get a couple years to negotiate a long-term extension. You know, even worst case scenario, say you sign him to a three-year, $7 million deal, 
right? At the very least, you'll get two more years of Dubois pretty close to his prime, but at the very least, you think you'd be getting two years worth of a number one center. If it doesn't look like you're going to re-sign him after that, you can still get a pretty damn good haul for a, a guy of Dubois' ilk with one year left on his deal, right? Like, I, I think that is still in the cards for the Winnipeg Jets. L- look at Seth Jones in Columbus, right? I mean, one year left on his deal. Columbus says, you know what? It's not going to happen. We'll move his services to the highest bidder. And they got a pretty damn good deal out of it, right? They avoid giving him big money, right? But they get Bokvist, the young defenseman out of Chicago. I think a couple of first-round picks, however, it worked out, right? But they were still able to get a huge haul back for a guy that was going to be out the door in a year. So I, I, I just don't think there's a whole lot to be concerned about right now. The only potential issue would be that, you know what, the Jets head to the negotiation table and PLD is absolutely adamant that he is not going to be spending any more time in Winnipeg and he's on the next plane out. I just, I don't see that happening though. So we'll take a look at what a a contract might look like for Dubois, some comparables and a potential cap hit a little bit later on. But, you know, with Elliot Friedman making that report, there was a little bit of, you know, concern and angst from the Winnipeg Jets fan base, I'm here to calm those a little bit. I, I don't think there's anything too much to worry about right now. That might be a 2024 thing, but at the very least in 2022, yeah, I'm not too concerned about that. So we should be okay heading into this offseason. So we'll call it a wrap right there, and we'll uh, finish off this episode quickly here. Just taking a look at what we have on store on tap for you guys at the end of the week. Thank you so much for listening once again, by the way. Uh, but when we get back at it on Friday's episode, one game, and oh boy, it's a doozy. The Philadelphia Flyers are coming to town. Tons on the line as the Flyers take on the Jets on a Wednesday night in Winnipeg. By the way, I'm actually going to be at the game. This is one of the few chances and one of the few games since the Jets came back to Winnipeg that I'll actually get to attend as a fan. I And, and it's weird because, you know, for the first six or seven or so years, I was at every single Winnipeg Jets home game. I just happened to be working those. So it's it's a rare occurrence for me to get a chance to actually sit in the seats and, and catch a game from the stands and, and stuff like that. So it, it'll be fun. You know, it's when I was given this Christmas present a little while back, there was still some hope on my end that there might be a playoff berth or two on the line. But obviously that's not going to be the case. But uh, I'm still looking forward to it. Going to have a fun time. So if you're going to the game and, and you listen to the show, just hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki. Would love to meet you guys in person down there. I- I'm going to have some fun. I'll have a couple of cold ones. I'll have a few hours away from the little one. It'll be, it will be. might even be, honestly, quieter in the ring than it is in my house. So I'll, I'll have that to look forward to. But would love to meet you guys if you want to you know, drop down and, and, and say hi at some point at Canada Life Center. So... I'll give my recap of the game live in Winnipeg on Friday's show between the Jets and Flyers. And then I think also what we'll do, just to have a little bit of fun at the end of the week, we'll take a look back at some bold predictions that me and my brother made before the season. And we'll take stock and see if we nailed any of those or if we went over. And there were some duds. There there were some ugly ones by both of us. So we'll have a bit of fun looking back at that to see how many bold predictions we got right about this 2021-2022 uh, regular season in the NHL. Uh, but that'll be it for the episode here. Thank you guys so much for listening once again. 
to Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll be back at it on a Friday morning. Until then, stay safe and have a great rest of your week, everybody. Peace.